This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to Ask the Squiz, our special edition podcast to help squeezers with their questions about the referendum on the Indigenous voice to Parliament. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Ask the Squiz, Claire, this week we've got a question on who is funding the No campaign and plenty asking about how the voice representatives will be elected. Yep, and we've got something functional as well, how to vote if you can't get to a polling booth. The logistics of voting, hey, so practical. Let's do it. Our first question this week comes from Helen. She's a big fan of Larissa, Claire. She (laughs) prefaced her question with that, so I'm sure Larissa's thrilled. She says she's interested in where the funding is coming from from these campaigns. She notes that you and Larissa talked about philanthropic organisations funding the Yes campaign. Helen wants to know who's funding the No campaign. There is a requirement to declare this, especially in the case of a conflict of interest. Yeah, exactly. And look, Helen, on one hand, this is actually quite straightforward, but then on the other, it really isn't. And Mm. that really is down to Australia's electoral donation laws. It means that any individual or business has to declare a donation of more than $15,000 to an entity that's involved in campaigning on either side of the referendum. So in theory, I guess we can see all the big donors to both sides of the debate, but the reality is a little bit different right here, right now. We might not actually know who's giving the big bucks because these declarations don't happen until, in, in some cases, after the fact. Yeah, exactly right. We don't have real-time reporting. Mm. Uh, individuals and companies don't have to lodge a disclosure return until after voting day. And the Australian Electoral Commission won't actually publish the full list until April next year. Despite all of that, we do know a little bit now about who is funding the No campaign. There was a bit of reporting about this on the weekend, Claire. Yeah, there was. And just to Helen's question about that, we do know some of them and they've given to a conservative body called Advance Australia, which is running the main No campaign under the banner of Fair Australia. Uh, We know Transport Company Chief Brett Ralph. He's also a director of the Melbourne Storm Rugby League Football Club. He put $75,000 towards Advance last financial year. Also, Sydney millionaire Rodney O'Neill, he put in $85,000. And Sam Kennard, who is the head of the storage company He's given $20,000 last year and $20,000 the year before. Yeah, Advance Australia is backing the No campaign. So their funding's gone to Advance, which perhaps has then gone to the No campaign. Also, Marcus Blackmore, he's a pretty big name in business. He's the former head of health company Blackmore's. He's another prominent financial supporter of the No campaign, as well as fund manager Simon Fenwick. He's given big dollars to advance. Yeah, and I know that Helen asked specifically about No donors, but we should also balance it out by saying that BHP, Rio Tinto and Wes Farmers, they've donated $2 million each to the Yes campaign. Qantas has also put the Yes logo logo on some of its aircraft and promised $500,000 in free travel for Yes campaigners. There's been plenty of coverage of that over the last couple of weeks. On to our next question. 
On The Voice proposal itself, Claire, Rod, Anne and Kay, amongst others, have asked if Yes wins, how do they propose to select representatives to The Voice? This has been a much debated topic. (laughs) And look, I'm glad that the question is framed that way, uh, Rod, Anne and Kay, because we all can talk about what is happening right now on the Yes side. It's proposing to select representatives to The Voice. Mm. The final model has to be passed by Parliament in legislation and we know because Labor doesn't have the numbers to pass legislation on its own in the Senate, it will likely be amended in some way. So it really is a proposal. Yeah, so what we're talking about is really the starting point and a couple of key non-negotiable principles from the Indigenous Working Group advising the government on this is that the voice will be selected by Indigenous people themselves and that it will be independent from government. They're the things we know that the voice wants. Yeah, exactly. And then when you dive a bit deeper into what a voice could look like. Uh, There was another report commissioned by the previous coalition government, uh, the Tom Karma and Marsha Langton report that's been talked about quite a bit in this build-up to the referendum. They fleshed out a possible model and you might have heard Prime Minister Anthony Albanese refer to this when he's told people that there is plenty of detail out there on the voice. Uh, It's this report that recommends that the National Voice has 24 members with representatives drawn from each state and territory and some seats reserved for remote members uh, because of their unique needs. He hasn't officially said that is how the structure will work, but it is a good reference point. That report also suggests members would serve four-year terms with half the membership determined every two years and a limit of two consecutive terms for each member. Yep, exactly right. And how those 24 members would be chosen is still very much TBC. Professor Megan Davis is one of the architects of The Voice and she says that Indigenous communities expressed a very strong desire for elections uh, when leaders were doing that really big consultation process before the Uluru Statement from the Heart in 2017. That's what they said. So it could be that Indigenous Australians vote in local or state elections to select their members to The Voice. It's one of those questions that's very difficult to answer, Claire. We emphasise to Rod, Anne and Kay and anyone else wondering, nothing's settled in this space, but it gives you a good starting point for what the thinking from the yes side is. Lenore, Ashley and Vicky are are very practical people. I like this simple process (laughs) question, Claire. How do we apply for a postal vote? (laughs) It's a really good question because I was actually wondering that myself. Um, Of course, we haven't really seen a lot of that detail yet, but uh, there's good news. You can apply right now to the Electoral Commission website to get a postal vote mailed out to you. Uh, You need to have a driver's licence or a Medicare card or a passport handy to do that. And really, there's a long list of reasons that the Electoral Commission will allow you to request a postal vote. Of course, they mostly want you to get in and actually vote on referendum day actually at a polling booth. Mm. But it pretty much boils down to anyone. If you can't get there, you need another way of doing it. And postal voting is one way. Voting is compulsory here in Australia. We know there'll be some people who won't be able to apply online. If that's the case, they can get a printed copy from an AEC office, but they 
must post it back to the AEC by the Wednesday before polling day. That's October 11. It's not that far away. It's not that far away, is it? And look, if all of this sounds like a hassle, you can also <laughs> vote early in a special polling place if you can't turn up on referendum day. And there's a bunch of those that are going to be open across every electorate of Australia. Uh, they will open two weeks before polling day, so on October the 2nd. Uh, in some states, particularly if they don't have that public holiday, it's going to be October 3 if you're getting that Labor Day public holiday. I love rocking up and voting on election day, but I also like getting it done, Claire. It's nothing <laughs> like just getting that job done. Overseas voters don't have the option to vote early. The AEC says Aussies overseas really need to get onto applying for a postal vote ASAP, like right now, if they can't get to an embassy or other polling centre on the day, because clearly it can take some time, of course, for a postal vote to arrive. It has to be received by the AEC no later than 13 days after polling day. So that's October 27 to be counted. Of course, we really encourage anyone with possible issues with not being able to vote on October 14 to get onto the AEC website, sort it out if you are in any doubt at all. Yep, time flies when you're having fun. Those deadlines are coming down the line pretty quickly. (laughs) That's us done for another week, Claire. A huge thank you for all the questions. We're getting like hundreds of questions, would you say, Claire? Yeah, close. I reckon we've had about a hundred, I reckon. That's that's very impressive and it's like it is something that can be quite confusing to navigate. So we really enjoy collating those and, and putting them to you. Of course, if you still have questions, we've got a number of weeks left before polling day. Hello at thesquiz.com.au is where you should send them or there's a link in our episode notes to fill out a form. I should also note, Claire, we have a voice referendum resource centre on our website. Yeah, if you want to get some more information in a really nice, calm sort of way. Uh, There's not a lot of yelling when it comes to the Mm. squiz. So you can dive into that resource centre. It's at thesquiz.com.au forward slash voice referendum. Share that link with your mates too, because I think People are starting to get really focused on this and getting some information about what's happening. We're a really good place to do that. Yeah, if you find yourself in a conversation with someone and you both end up saying that you're a bit confused, this is the place to go uh, to find out all the facts. I'll put a link to that in your episode notes as well. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.